that's the thing by pivoting, I was literally able to carry our bills and our lifestyle without drastically changing it for several months on my own, which obviously made me feel like a badass bitch. But I was like, the pivot is real. Hi guys, welcome back to the Beauty Inspires CD podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Burgio, and I have a super special guest. I feel like uh, we could be soul sisters. Her name is Sarah Ordo. She is um, one of many, many things, and if I could list them all, we'd be here till tomorrow. But what's amazing is we like know each other, but we don't know each other. So that through the power of social media, we can thank all of our girlfriends. We were just chatting about how many people we knew. And um, I, I was really excited to get her on the podcast to share her with you guys because she too has an amazing podcast. She's a self-published author. I believe it says nine times. I yes. can't I want to read them all. I want to get to them. That must mean you got something to say, which I always love a woman who uh, is not afraid to speak her mind and she uses the F word as much as I do. She has her own podcast. She is also a coach and also owns a beauty salon, which does what, what is your guys' your lash? She's a beauty bar, right? Yes, we are a beauty bar. So no actual hair. No actual hair. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Yes. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, I feel like we've been running in similar circles for so long. It was just bound to happen. Seriously. Um, What's so cool is that sometimes I want to hate on social media, uh, but this is when I'm like obsessed with it because you and I would have never met otherwise. Exactly. It's so cool. Yeah. Everybody wanted to crap on Zoom too. And I'm like, this is the way of the future. Old girls like me, you guys either going to get on the train or you're going to be left behind. So, <laughs> it's so, so true though. <laughs> we've had a podcast for a couple of years and she was just reiterating how important it is to apply this to your marketing for your business because it can help reach so many people you wouldn't normally be able to reach. Mm-hmm. And I'm still in the, I need reassurance phase on I'm doing the right things. So um, thank you for reassuring me that starting this podcast is worth it. And um yeah. So tell us a little bit about you. And I don't even know where to start because your story is so good. So let's. I don't just, even know where to start. <laughs> it, it, this is being recorded right now. We're in uh, middle of September and you are in Detroit. So we were just talking about she's been open. Her, her salon's been able to be open since June. Um, but what has the last couple of months been like for you? Let's just start there. We'll work our way back. Yeah. So the last couple of months, I signed on my first uh, brick and mortar retail type space. Um, at the beginning of 2020, pre-COVID, did not know this was all going to happen. So I literally signed on a space. I've had my business, 24 Lux Hair and Makeup, since 2013. Um, I've been in the beauty industry since about 2008. And I started the business in 2013. I didn't want to work in a salon traditional setting anymore. I personally didn't love the hair side of things. I wanted to do more makeup-focused stuff anyways. Um, So I started this business and was like, okay, let's do bridal because unfortunately in Detroit, um, unless you're at like a beauty counter or you're in retail, it's not like California or New York where people are just getting their makeup done on a regular basis. You know, it's not as many big events and things like that going on here in Michigan. So it was like, how do I get into a compartment of makeup that is going to be consistent that I can actually make an income off of and survive and pay my bills? Uh, So bridal became that. It still obviously has kind of like a season because in Michigan we have winters. No one gets married here when it's snowing, clearly. Um, But I had this business for years. We were completely mobile. So we did all bridal hair and makeup. Um, I had a small team from when I started. It's grown over the years. And it got to a point that we were just doing everything on location. And sometimes we were even doing bridal trials out of my home. 
which we just very quickly outgrew that situation. As I got older, my husband's like, we're not running a beauty salon out of the house. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) I'm like, okay, okay. So uh, yeah, in 2020, I was like, okay, I think we are, we're growing at the level now that we need, we need space. We need a place. We need a home. Um, So 2020 is the first time 24 Lux became something more. We were no longer just a mobile bridal team. We opened a beauty bar in downtown Flat Rock, which is a suburb outside of Detroit. Um, but since I am a licensed cosmetologist, I know all these girls in the beauty industry. Um, we had all these other services we could utilize and do, and then also have a space for our bridal team. So at our beauty bar, we do, um, we have a full brow bar. We do waxing, tinting, henna, lamination, all the things. Um, we do spray tanning. We do eyelash extensions, microblading. We are now, which this is another loop, which I guess I'll wait and we can throw this one in. But so anyways, sign this lease. We're getting this beauty bar going. Great. We're doing our build out. We're getting everything ready. And then COVID happened. So needless to say, delayed the opening a little bit. I had a few meltdowns because basically like, you know, I had money set aside to do this, but I also rely heavily on our wedding income every year. That's a huge amount of the business's income happens in the span of spring to fall. So we lost all of our income from March through pretty much August. I mean, I would say we had a few things here and there that still happened like backyard weddings. Other than that, we lost all of our income for the year. So as you can imagine, there were a few meltdowns at my kitchen table where I was like, why is this happening right now? I just signed on a building. Like I just put all this money into build out furniture, like all these things, like, holy shit. Um, I'm not a quitter though. I'm not that girl. So I was like, I'll fucking figure it out and I'll make it happen. So opened the beauty bar. Um, we are in a old historic uh, building in the downtown area and it is actually an old firehouse. So it's a really cool building, um, really great character. It's connected to the business next door, and we are connected by a hallway with a bathroom. Totally unique. You like do not see a lot of things like that. So anyways, when we sign this lease, we tell the landlord, like, hey, if they ever leave next door in the future, like maybe down the road, we would want to expand, take over that space. You know, that would be great. Cool. Awesome. Two, okay, so COVID happens. Finally, they're like, June, June 15th, salons can take appointments. And I'm like, okay, grand opening, June 15th. Here we go. Like, we were waiting for it. Like, we were just waiting. Yeah, not a grand opening yet. Yeah, nothing. We couldn't even open. Like, we were like, what? we're just sitting here. Like, can we open now? What's happening? So we open literally the end of June. The landlord calls us and he's like, hey, guess what? They're leaving next door. And I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Like, now? Now? Like, oh my God. So again, I had a slight panic moment, but I'm like, you know what? If we lose this opportunity, I don't know if we're going to get it back. So within two weeks of being open, we signed on for a secondary lease and a second build out and expansion. So now we have both buildings, um, which our second build out is still being finished right now. But that's also been a little crazy during COVID because now we're adding on new girls. We're going to have nails, shellac, mani-pedis. CBD massages, facials, body waxing, all these new things. It also kind of opens up the opportunity for me to have, um, I host events here in the Detroit area called Her Best Fucking Brunch. Um, It also opens up an opportunity for me to have some smaller events there because we do have a lot of open space on the other side of the building that we can utilize. So it's been great, but it was a lot at once. And then you like threw COVID into the mix and it was like, holy shit. So 
part of me, I mean, I'm super excited. Things have been going great. We've been so busy. I'm so grateful. We are blessed with incredible clients that have been so loyal to us. But at the same time, in the back of my head, there's always that like, if we shut down again, and I have a, a two-part building now, like, holy shit, like, how is this going to go? So it's been, it's been a wild, it's been a wild intro to having a brick and mortar. I'll say that. Hell yeah. That's like, if that's not thrown into the wolves, I don't know what is. Yeah. I'm, I too opened just in October, so I wasn't too far ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I wasn't give, given any sort of like leeway with the rent here. They didn't do much to help us at all. Um, so it was like, get in where you fit in. Uh, right. but luckily, luckily we did get some assistance and that was helpful as far as like from government doing all that. Yeah. I hope those are forgiven. Um, but that's amazing. And us too, he tried to get me to take the second space next to us as well. And yes. what ended up happening was because I'm going so further deep into doing the podcast and the coaching and the other yeah. things, I was like the universe fucking with me. I was like, wait, no, I thought you said you wanted me to work on this other part of the business. And now you want to give me this side too. So I had to really take a moment to go in and be like, what is it that you really want? And one of the other girls, right. she's always wanted her own space too. And it just became this opportunity where well, you talk about helping other people achieve their dreams. Like now's your chance to like get out of the way and encourage her to take it. So we negotiated it down so she could afford it. And so she's going to be my neighbor and have her own studio next door. Oh, well. that's amazing. That's so cool. So it's super cool. I know out of this, like so many things have happened, good and bad, silver linings. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, you would have probably not got that space for years to come. Same with me. Right. So, right. Uh, oh, so that's just crazy. Wow. What a, what? And you're <laughs> still standing. You're I'm here. I literally told someone, I said, if I get through 2020 opening this brick and mortar with this, I'm a great fucking businesswoman because I can handle anything at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Starting it basically in the middle of a recession. And we know that this industry is recession proof. Like the ombre came out of 2008. Like people just still get shit done. They might just get it done differently. And yeah. I've been doing this for 20 years. Like this is, that's one of my favorite things about this industry. It is so resilient. No one can take our job from us. Like we can mm -hmm. do it anywhere, anytime for anyone. So it's so true. Like, and that's what I told everyone. It was so funny because everyone's like, oh, aren't you so scared? Everyone's so worried about money right now. Like, how are you going to open this business? Are people going to come in and get services done? The minute we opened those books, we were booking out for weeks because yeah. everybody wanted their stuff done. They'd been waiting. And that's the thing I told everyone the whole time. It's, it's so funny you said it because I literally told everyone, I said, if there's one industry that's going to come out of this, it's going to be the beauty industry because these bitches want their stuff done. Like they want to get their hair touched up. They want their lashes. <laughs> they want to get waxed. They want to get their brows on. Like people yes. like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. We were the ones for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. It's, it's, it's the year of self-care too. So people are like unapologetic about taking care of themselves as they mm -hmm. should. As they yeah. should. Um, okay. So let's backtrack. How did you get into the industry? Were you, how long have you been in the game for? Yeah. So I went to beauty. I started beauty school in 2007. Um, I did not go during high school when it was free. For some reason, I decided I should wait. My, my parents really wanted me to go to college. So I like started the whole college thing. And then as I was already a receptionist at a hair salon while I was going to school. And I remember going to my manager at the hair salon and being, she was amazing. Like she's literally like was a second mother to me back then. And I was like, I think I really want to do hair. And she was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, let's get you in beauty school. Like, let's do this. And my parents were like, totally against it. They were like, no, you need to go to college. And me being like my hard headed self, I was like, well, I'll just do both then watch me. 
And I did. Like I was insane, but I did. I went to school. I went to beauty school full time. I went to night school um, at college still. And so I actually started working at the hair salon in 2008. Since I already worked there, I had a chair waiting for me as soon as I finished, which was a blessing. I didn't have to like look for a job. Um, and then I finished my degree while I was working in the salon. And then literally like, it's so funny. I literally finished my last class. I had been, I swapped, I was teaching preschool and student teaching while I was finishing college. And then I would still work at the salon on the weekends because I just loved it so much. And I remember I literally got my degree and told them I wasn't coming back to teach in the fall. I was like, I don't want to do this. And I told my parents, I was like, I still don't want to do this. I still want to be in the beauty industry. I've been working seven days a week to continue doing what I love. Like I'm and at that point, I'm like, I'm a grown adult now. I was like, fuck this, I'm going back. So that was when I started. I left teaching, started my uh, business 24 Lux in 2013. And that was that was where it all started. <laughs> That's amazing. And I can account for some of the best coaches out there right now used to be teachers. And yes. I think the way that you guys can compartmentalize, you can strategize, you can clearly articulate how to get someone to understand what you're trying to say. Like, mm -hmm. and I think it's probably like knowing that work ethic that you had that you were like, okay, I'll just do both. Like, who does that? Like, I, tried <laughs> clearly. I, was, I wrote my mom this letter of like, I will finish college. But my whole plan was to do hair while I went to school to figure out what I wanted to do, because I never was told that this was a real job, that this was always looked at as like something to not be taken seriously, that you can't make mm -hmm. a good living and all the things. So yes. usually this is a question I ask towards the end, but we're in the middle of it. What is like a few myths or things about the industry that you feel should be like debunked or that are not true? Like, you know, yeah. don't yeah. look at this. They still, I think to this day, don't encourage their kids or people they know to go to beauty school. I think unless you have a setup, like, I, I still feel it's like a weird thing. I, I agree. And I feel like it's, it gets such a bad rep. Any job, if you don't have passion and drive, you're going to be shitty at. You're going to suck at. You're not going to excel at. And the same thing goes vice versa. If you're passionate and you have a lot of drive and you're willing to like chase after things you want to do, you can be successful. So that's kind of how I looked at it. Because my parents obviously were like, you need to go to college, get a degree, something with benefits, 401k, like all this shit. But at the end of the day, I mean, I will say for a very long time, I, my dad, I think took the longest to come around to it. Like, I remember him even saying to me one day, like, well, you think you'll ever get a real job with your degree again? And I was like, excuse me, like, I'm pretty sure I live on my own and I'm paying all my bills. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I will say, I think it's just, I think a lot of it is that generation. I think a lot of it is the stereotype, but that, and that's the thing, like, I think that's such a horrible myth out there because I have been able to create a fucking incredible life, an incredible business, an incredible lifestyle in the beauty industry. And I know so many other women that have been able to do the same. Yes, there are those people that might go to beauty school, not push themselves, not excel, you know, maybe not build a clientele the same way, but I think it depends a lot more on the person and it has a lot less to do with the industry. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't yeah. agree. I mean, cause I'm sure, I don't know about you, but I've worked in several salons and you know, I was always like, I'm not an extraordinarily talented hairdresser. Like my work itself isn't, you know, the, the best of the best, but I'm a people person. And mm -hmm. you know, I was a coach, like as far as for sports, when I was growing up, I always had great coaches. And so that was my version of being able to teach after I graduated. And I, I think, you know, I would look around at people who weren't as busy and think, 
what is the difference? Like, you're not a bad person. Your, your work no. is pretty good. Why are you doing one third of the business I'm doing? And yeah. it's just, I think it's just work ethic and drive. And I think that is something that you can condition yourself to have, but it sounds like that was something you were just brought up with. Cause I don't know anybody else who could like do school to two different schools and finish, you know, and to show you have the wherewithal to see that space take over, be open and then be able to be like, you know what? I, I've made everything else work in my life one way or the other. I'm just, I can do it. Yeah, absolutely. That has your back too. So that's always huge. And that comes from being a good leader because you don't establish having a good team around you unless you're a good leader as well. So that's huge. Congratulations. That's so awesome. Thank you. And what you just said, I love too about, um, oh my God, I'm like blanking now, uh, about, oh, the like relationship you have with clients. Um, and I, I talk to people about this all the time. I'm like, there are people that do much better brows than I do. Let's be completely honest. People can get a $7 eyebrow wax at the nail place. That might be fine. People come for me. They come because they're my clientele. We always talk about what's going on in their life. You know, they, they come as much for their stylist as they do the service because you do, they always make jokes like hairstylists or like therapists, but you do, you create a connection with people and people will remember how you treat them the most out of anything and the actual experience they have. And then, like I said, I'm sure there's someone that does brows better than me, 5,000%. I'm sure I'm not the best at it, like, amen. But yeah, it's like you create that relationship with people, they will follow you, they will come and see you and they, they will still, just because of that relationship you build with them, they'll stay loyal. Hands down, hands down. And now I think it was one of the best tips one of my early mentors ever gave me when I was really young. He was like, you know, read the books, go to the movies, like read the newspaper, find out what's going on in the world. So you have conversation to have with your clients. And he just had such good conversations with his clients and he could listen really well and hold space for people. And so he really taught me how to listen versus talk over people. So as much as we love to talk, like it's, that's a skill set in its own as well. Um, So yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things too. I think, and then being able to establish who you are in the industry, like putting on like, and I think that's now that it's so saturated because with social media, being able to set yourself apart. So um, you've done a really good job of setting yourself apart. Like whenever I see the word fuck, I think of you, which I'm like, that's my fuck word. Yes. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Here and I both host brunches. And I think that was another commonality that we had too. I was pushing my mastermind to start or do something. And that was what mm-hmm. I came up with was these networking brunches for our industry because I wanted to hang out with more people like me versus yeah. doing more stuff for clients. And so you host the brunch. How did you start with live events? Where did that come from? Did you like have your book written and then you decided you wanted to promote it? Or you had like, how did that come to be what it was? Yeah. So the events were actually like one of the most recent things I've done before the whole beauty bar opened. Um, so my whole online, I like to say my like online career, like the opposite of all the beauty stuff I do started when I got sober five years ago. That's when I started writing my book. Eventually when I started the podcast, started doing all the online content, um, YouTube, all of that. And then the events actually came last because I was already doing so many, like there's so many things where I was talking online, making videos online where I was talking and sharing my story where people were like, oh, you should speak about your story. You should speak about things. You should come talk to people about things in person because I have so, I mean, the internet's great. I have so many people on the internet listening, but so many people were like, oh, I would love to meet you. I would love to meet you. I would love to come see something like that in-person interaction, that connection, that networking. And so I saw other people and like, again, Detroit, not a lot of things going on here. It's not like, you know, every event I want to go to is in like California, Chicago, or, you know, like Florida, New York, like all these other places. 
and there really wasn't anything going on in Detroit at all. So that's how I kind of started these, her best fucking brunch events. I was like, well, let's just kind of see what happens. And so they started as like 30 women events and they would just sell out every time. And I was like, holy shit, like these keep selling out, these keep selling out, like I got to go to the next level. Like I got to do something bigger now. And so last December, I had my first one day women's event. We had a hundred women sold it out. Like it was insane. And it was just so freaking cool. But what I love about it and how I got there is like, after that first day, like speaking was like, it literally was like high on life to me. Like I, I already loved sharing my story so much, but like, there's a big difference between sitting in front of a computer with a microphone and actually seeing people when you're speaking and seeing how they're reacting and seeing people cry because they're connecting to what you're saying or having people come up to you after like giving you a hug and like, Oh my God, I resonated so much. Like you're such an inspiration to me. And that like in-person connection was just something I fell in love with. And it's so unfortunate because 2020 started, I had one smaller event around um, Valentine's Day. We had like a Valentine's Day brunch event that was just a more intimate one. Um, But then I totally had every intention of doing more of these one day women's events this year. And, you know, the whole thing's just kind of been like put on a screeching halt. I did one virtual event right at the beginning of quarantine, but now I'm just kind of waiting it out because I'm like, it's not the same. I want to get back in person. I want to meet people again. Like it's so much fun. So I miss it. I miss it so much. I can't, I miss it too. I did try to go online for a few weeks right afterwards. And it's just like, they weren't ready. People were just not like, we weren't the, the, yeah, it's so different. And I think in the face of when we just so much uncertainty, like people weren't open to listening to stuff. Nobody wanted to hear. They just wanted to know what the fuck was going on. Yeah, exactly. So did her best fucking brunch, did that title come from, or is that what your books are called too? Her best fucking life. That was that part of that? No. So, okay. So my books are, my books span on a few different topics. They started in sobriety. They get into a little bit more personal development type stuff. Um, Her best fucking life was where it came from. And that was the podcast. That's where that whole thing started. So yeah, her best fucking life started as a podcast. There's also a planner and journal that I created on Amazon. And so then when I was going to create my event, I remember going through a couple different names and I was just like, "Eh, I don't know, like going back and forth and nothing just like fit. And then I was like, her best fucking brunch was just like, oh my God, why am I not doing this? People love brunch. Like this, it would be so fun and donuts and themes. Like, oh my God, here we go. So it just really kind of like fell into place. Yeah, we're totally soul sisters. So I'm like, brunch. Yes. Girl, I don't care what you're talking about or what you're selling. I'm there. Yes. So how did you get, okay, do we want to open up where the sobriety came from? Because there was, oh, yeah, a- we can. Yeah, okay. for sure. Let's dive in. Cause I feel like that's like a component that kind of flipped you into the, the coaching, right? Cause were you coaching before? Yeah. No, okay. no, that all everything. Okay. So I wrote my first book, Sober as Fuck in 2017. Um, I was two years sober when I released it. I was a party girl, binger to the extreme. Um, I didn't just have a drink. I blacked out every time I drank. Um, obviously got myself into a lot of dangerous, scary situations Um, had a lot of experiences with like sexual assault, rape, you know, being hospitalized, just complete disaster. I had no self-control. And it became very clear to me after I got sober, a lot of it was fueled by trauma and things from my past that I had never fully dealt with. I was totally using them as numbing tools, numbing mechanisms to get coping mechanisms to get through things. Um, So it was like a very deep, like I had to go through like a really deep healing journey 
like more emotionally and mentally when I got sober. Um, I realized very quickly that I was a binger. So I didn't have that daily dependence for alcohol. I could go all week without drinking, but then all weekend I'd be fucking smashed and functioning the next morning at 6am like nothing was wrong. So um, it was scary because I think for a lot of people when they can drink that way, it almost keeps them that way longer because they don't have the daily dependence. They're not having withdrawals if they don't drink. They're not getting sick. So it's like, oh, I don't have a problem. I go all week without drinking. Um, so I was like that, oh my gosh, from the time I was 13, pretty consistently until I got sober um, in 2007 or 2015 was when I got sober. And I ultimately got sober because I ended up in the hospital and almost lost my life. I overdosed on pills. I was blacked out drunk. Um, I had to be hooked up to all these things. They thought I was going to go into cardiac arrest. Like it was a very, very scary experience. And basically the doctors were just, I mean, I'm five feet tall. I'm very, I'm a small girl. And they were like, we don't know how your body even pulled through this. You were completely shutting down. Like, do you understand what just happened? And I kind of like brushed it off when I left the hospital. Like I was like, yeah, I know. Like, yeah, okay. And then once it like reality really started setting in the next day um, and I saw like, you know, like my mom for the first time or people were like, I had all these messages. I had to respond to all these people and apologize because people thought I was dead. And people were like trying to figure out what was like reaching out to people, trying to see where I was, what, what happened. Like people literally like thought I could have been dead which was the weirdest, like shittiest feeling in the world to have to apologize to people for putting them in that position. Um, so I honestly, that was the last day I've ever had a drop of alcohol. I've been sober ever since that night that I ended up in the emergency room. And I just, yeah, I went on this relentless journey to create my best life. That was kind of where that all started. Um, my second book, well, my first book was called Sober as Fuck. I put it out when I was two years sober. And then the book I started writing immediately after it was called Inner Bloom, and it was um, Finding Inner Happiness and Creating Your Best Life was the subtitle. And it's so funny because now looking back, I'm like, I totally see where it's coming, you know, like the whole best life theme coming through. Um, so yeah, that was really where it all started from. And then once I, you know, really got more spiritual and more, you know, started connecting and really like thinking about everything, it was like, holy shit, like I have a second chance. I have a second chance at life for a reason. Um, I should probably be dead, you know, and to take that for granted would be ridiculous. It would be foolish of me, like how blessed I am to still be here. Uh, so from that day forward, I just kind of went on this mission to create my best life, share it with people and help other people do the same. That's amazing. That is so amazing. What a story. I feel like when you do shit, you go hard. You're like, I, I'm all in. I'm all like in. zero to 100. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, and that's, you got to, you got to look back at all the great people that have accomplished massive, massive things. That's yeah. how they do it. You got to be yeah. able to like be fully committed. You're like, I'm drinking this weekend. I'm fucking drinking this weekend. Like I'm not, drinking I'm- the whole bottle. <laughs> oh, and that's interesting because I have always been like one toe in stuff. So I'm always like, I have a, a, I don't know if it's a fear of commitment, but I'm almost the opposite where I'll be like, one drink, ooh, I don't like how I feel. I feel a little like out of control. I think I'm a control freak when it comes to that. So that mm-hmm. keeps me from, I'm like, well, I don't know what's right. going on. I have two more. So I'm, I'm not going to do that. Like, yeah. so it saved me in that department, but it's, it's hindered me in other things. So, you know, I think that that method is good for you because look what you've accomplished when you just say, fuck it, I'm going for it. Yeah, exactly. 
so yeah. awesome. So you have a mastermind that you host as well. Is that a coaching program that you have? Can you tell us? Yeah. So I ran a mastermind for 2020, like how convenient for the whole year of 2020. I was like, let's do this girls. <laughs> so it's actually been really cool because it's given me this core group of women that we do uh, monthly coaching and I have different guest coaches come in every month and we do monthly like videos and stuff where we all like can ask questions and meet and connect. And honestly, it's been kind of a really great resource through 2020 because we had this like monthly meetup where everybody could talk about what was going on in the world and how they were feeling and, you know, all these important topics. So I have that. I also this year started doing some other areas of coaching. Um, since I've self-published all my books, I had a lot of people approaching me about how to self-publish. So I started um, Rebel Writing Academy in 2020 as well, where I started walking people through um, the self-publishing process with a, just a small group of women. It's a group coaching program. And then my most recent one was Her Best Fucking Life Coaching, uh, which I did Her Best Fucking Life Academy, which was a six-week program. But I'm just kind of like testing out all the programs this year to see which ones I love, which ones really do the most transformation. And I don't know, I'm kind of a winging it person. So I'm just kind of seeing like which ones have the most demand when I want to run them, how frequently and just kind of see how it all goes. Well, that's the theme right now. What, what do people need? What do people need exactly. right now? And what can I give them? Because, you know, we can teach on all the things, but you're really good at what you're really good at. So like right. staying your course and like people already follow you for who you are. So it's like, yeah, that's something similar to, to my journey as far as like, what, it, what does my industry need right now? And what they mm-hmm. needed in January and February, when I had the January brunch, which was goal setting and all of the things people were hype hype to like end of March, June, much different, yeah. much, much different. And so like having different guests on the podcast have been able to like, you know, pick people's brains about how the pandemic kind of affected them, how they've been having to pivot and all the things Like clearly we've seen you pivot, like, what did you do to sustain during this time? I mean, you came up with all these things that you do. They were these bringing revenue in. Were you able to sustain that way as far as like personally growing? Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's crazy because I know a lot of people are like, oh, 2020, I'm on track to have like by far, by far, by far my biggest year yet, which is insane, but it just goes to show, you know, like pivoting, you know, really works. Um, because like, again, I did lose a huge chunk of our bridal income this year, which that normally is my largest income. And so it was like, okay, what do I do now? So, you know, I did a few, um, virtual online events. I did a lot of these academies and coaching online. And I mean, to be completely honest, they did bring in revenue for me to keep me going through those times. Um, my husband's in real estate. So obviously that was down for quite a bit as well. And, there was a point, which he probably wouldn't want me to tell you this, but there was a point for a few months where I carried our income on my back solely. We weren't getting assistance at first because he wasn't getting any. And it was just like, okay, I was trying to get these loans. I hadn't gotten approved for anything yet. And that's the thing by pivoting, I was literally able to carry our bills and our lifestyle without drastically changing it for several months on my own, which obviously made me feel like a badass bitch. But I was like, the pivot is real. Like if, and, and that's the thing. I feel like some people have that attitude in life and some people just don't have that drive, but it was like, okay, I need to figure shit out and make it happen. How do I do this? I'm going to do it. Right. And, and went for it. That's a, and that's huge because that's what I feel like the feedback I was getting when I would look at the zoom and I had, you know, that group of girls on there, or there were a few guys too, was like, nobody had even thought about pivoting. No one had even considered other streams of revenue, probably because 99.9 of them still love doing hair, hadn't seen themselves mm-hmm. doing anything else ever. 
and yeah. oh, that's great. Like when, when the pandemic kind of hit, I was like, oh, more time for me to work on all this other stuff I'd already started. So I was yeah. like level energy 10 and everyone was like a two. And I was like, okay, this isn't really matching up. I couldn't yeah. like, you can't be like, hurry up and get here. Cause they hadn't done any of the pre-work. Mm-hmm. So like my goal with my program that I created was to help them reimagine how else can you bring in other streams of revenue? What else are you good at? We're all good at other mm-hmm. things. We could be fucking knitting pillows for all I care, but like, let that be an, a possibility for if and when you need it. Like, yeah. um, which kind of goes against, you know, back in the day, they would say, if you want to be really good at something, you got to focus only on that. Well, that's true. Once you got one thing going, like the hair thing is good. Like you don't have to keep working on that if you're a hairdresser, right. if you're a lash artist or whatever. But what else are you good at? Can you teach someone yeah. how you got there? Like you with the book, like people were coming to you, but sometimes you don't need people coming at you asking. You can ask around too. That's the power of social media. Like we were yeah. saying at the beginning of this. So yeah. that's through the course I create. I'm like, how can I get you thinking bigger about mm-hmm. expansion? Because even if when you don't think you need it, you can add that stream of revenue in. Like, let's go. Who doesn't want an extra stream of uh, revenue? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, who doesn't want multiple streams of income? I am the biggest fucking cheerleader for passive income. Like my books, like a lot of the stuff I do, like I write a book once, I never have to do it again. And it's done. And like a lot of people, I don't think like realize that. Like, yeah, I post about it, but like, do you, I literally have nine things on Amazon that are done that I never have to do anything on again. And they bring me income every single month, like consistent, good income. Like that's insane. But that's, and I, I feel like that was so telling of so many people during the, the pandemic, because it was like, you saw these people like you and I that are pivoting and are like, okay, how can I do this? How do I change? How do I, how do I roll with the punches here? How can I make this the best situation? And then there were people sitting there like, I'm not getting unemployment. I'm not getting this. I can't work. And just sitting. And it was like, oh my God. And you saw these people that were willing to pivot and try new things and try, you know, how do I, how do I do this? How do I do this? And there was a lot of people that just like sat with it. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm like, not to be like, I don't want to bash anyone, but like, I feel like that's how a lot of people are in life in general too. Like similarly, if they're like that in their career, yeah. you know, if you don't like something about your life, if you're unhappy about something, a lot of people that are more have figured out how to make it better, how to change it, how to up level. And then the people that just sit in things are the people that tend to just take life as it comes. Right. Well, you know, the saying that, you know, it's easier to eat this shit sandwich because I already know what it tastes like <laughs> than to try the other sandwich because it might taste worse. Right, right. And everyone has a massive feel of fear of failure, which I think probably you and I have that same fear, but the, the only difference is I'm willing to fail fast and hard yeah. and get up and be like, what did I learn? How can I like, and just keep going. Like failure is the greatest bad. teacher. Literally, the greatest teacher is failure and redirection and all of those things. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I love all that. Um, okay. So, what do you love most about this industry? Is it connecting with people, or like, what is it for you that keeps you? I mean, from the time you were the, the receptionist to now. Yeah. I, I honestly, I feel like I love the connections with women. Like, I love the beauty industry. It's always fun. It's always creative. It's always you know innovative and things like that. But I think I, I honestly just like love the connection with people. And that was one thing, like, cause I, when I started the brick and mortar, I had, I had been like, here's another thing I did. I had worked at all part-time for seven years doing eyebrows, like wow. while I was building everything to be stable. That was my only like stable paycheck. And it was really hard for me to leave Ulta and people would laugh. They were like, you are literally doing all of these things and you're still working at Ulta one day a week. Like I literally worked one day a week cause I didn't want to leave. 
And I was just like, I love my clients and I love the people there. And I, I love, I love it. Like I didn't want to leave, but I knew I was getting to a point that like I had to, cause I was doing way too much. And that was honestly what pushed me to open the brick and mortar. Like I did not have this idea last year to open this place at all, like zero. And once I left Alta, within a couple of weeks, people were like, can I come to your house? Can, can you do my brows at your house? And I was like, no. And I was like, what am I going to do with all these people? And like, all of a sudden I was like, I don't want to lose my clients. Like I love my clients and I love having these women in my life that, you know, have always shared their stories with me and I know what's happening. And so that was like the biggest push for me. And it's so funny because I went from working at Alta one day a week, I had my wedding. And then otherwise I worked at home though, doing all my online stuff. You know, I could work from home. Yeah. Right. So I was very comfortable working from home most of the week, you know, not getting ready most days, just kind of like doing whatever I wanted. And I noticed as soon as I didn't have Alta consistently one day a week, like my morale even kind of dropped a little bit because I didn't, I missed that interaction with women in person. And as soon as we opened the beauty bar and I had that again, like I could tell a difference in my mood on a daily basis, like 5,000% because I loved that connection and interaction I was having with people on a regular basis again. So crazy. I didn't know where you were going to go with that story because that's (laughs) 20 years and even opening my own space. I still question like, because there's so many other things I want to work on. Yeah. um, I keep feeling like I should step away from being behind the chair and that it's time to do other things. But you know, the days that I get to come in here, some days I wish I could still work on my other stuff because there's things that need to get done. But like, I love my time with my clients. Mm -hmm. I just love it. I I only do two days a week right now. And um, yeah, I feel like I have, I've had from the moment I joined that mastermind, I was in like two years ago, that was the thing I had said, I want to stop being behind the chair. And I just didn't Mm -hmm. want to, I just want to be stuck in a situation where I was trading time for money. But now right, I get right. a bigger picture of like, it does fill me up. It's kind of part of something I love to do. Yeah. And the space that I created, of course, like you probably walk in there with a smile on your face. Like no one yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how I am too. I I kept saying, I don't want to work at a place. I don't want to work at a place. I don't want to work at a place. And then lo and behold, I left Alta and was like, oh my God, I miss working with clients. Like I I need a place now. Um, How many days a week are you in the salon now? um, It fluctuates depending on how busy we are with weddings. If I'm doing weddings on the weekends, um, I'm usually there at least like on a busy week, at least one day a week, but two to three most weeks, I would say. Obviously in the winter, we don't have as many weddings. I'm there a little bit more, um, but that's kind of the nice thing. Like you said, like you're there two days a week. You can kind of like design it around when, what you want to do and build it around that as well, which has been really nice. Yeah. It's been everything literally. Um, okay. So I always like to play like, wouldn't it be cool? Because I feel like it's like stupid idea time, which I stole from Chris who stole from someone else. But <laughs> is there anything else left for you to do? I mean, what is the thing that's been said about you actually, which is a friend of ours, Brandy, she goes, you know, she just, you know, what she's really good at. She just seems like she can balance everything. I mean, I watch her and she's home and she's like all happily cooking her husband dinner. Like who does that? <laughs> I was like, I'm all, they must not have kids. I'm like, no, not yet. No, (laughs) but you still enjoy cooking a leisurely dinner while you sip, you know, on a, on a kombucha or something. I'm like, right. That's so funny. That was a big compliment she gave that you balance all of your things. Well, I thrive well in chaos. I've always said that Mm -hmm. I can handle a lot. I can balance, but literally like today I've got like interviews all day. I'm literally like cleaning my office in between, doing laundry, getting groceries to live. Like that's just how I am. I've always got like 14,000 things. 
I freaking love it because I always thought I was crazy for doing that to myself. No, without no, it's perfect. Okay, it works. It works. You know what, people? You find your crazy soul sisters, and you just tell them it's okay. That's amen. amen. <laughs> so, is there anything else? Like, what would what would be your wouldn't it be oh, gosh. or what's your big stupid idea that you want to share with us? And I, I yeah, because I think they should be big audacious amazing yeah. that you can just put in the universe yeah there well one that I've I've said already I've, I've put it out there before but I'm still I'm still I'm still very open to it happening and I think about it from time to time we have um so like my events obviously I want to do more events in the future post-COVID when we can again and I remember telling someone we have a theater in downtown Detroit where there's a lot of like shows plays bands like it's a very old like oh my god it's gorgeous inside huge but like you go there to see celebrities, right? So it's, it's huge, like different balcony seating. And I always said, I want her best fucking brunch to be at the Fillmore. Like, that's what I want. Like, I want to be on the stage at the Fillmore, yeah. like sell out the Fillmore. I have my name up on the marquee that like my event is there. I put that out in the universe like several times in the last year. And I'm like, dude, here I we go. else would look better in a lit up sign that something that says Sarah Ordo's her best fucking brunch. I know. I'm like, would they put the F word up on it? I'm not let them put the asterisk. <laughs> like, you do it on, like, there. yeah, I think with the asterisk, I think that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Everybody should come wearing their their, their favorite F word shirts or whatever. Yes. I was going F across it. I'll wear that. Yeah, you know? love it. It would be perfect. <laughs> happen. That's, I can see that happening. Oh, yeah. I say it all the time. I'm like, it's got to happen. No one's doing it. It's got to happen. And I think now is a better time than any because people want to go to shit. So I, mm -hmm. you know, if you need help promoting, let me know. That's what we do. Amen. Yeah. You'll hear it in like a year. You'll hear me promoting it. <laughs> I know to anybody listening who has a big, scary idea, make sure you only tell those ideas to people who are going to uh, enforce yes. the belief that you can create it. Mm -hmm. Do not share your big ideas with your mom if she's a hater on all things other than what she believes in. Like my mom is an amazing human, like amazing. And, you know, the, the salon wasn't her first choice for me and a lot of other things in my life, but mm -hmm. you got to do your own shit, but you want to make sure you share your goals and dreams with people who are going to back you up and help you figure it out. That sounds like a crazy fucking idea. What time do you want me there? Like that kind of friend. Absolutely. It's so true though, because yeah, you're either going to have people cheer you on or tell you you're nuts. Yeah. And where do you think you're going to go if everyone's like, you're crazy. That's not going to work. <laughs> not going to do it. And then the next week you're going to see someone else doing it. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Okay. Yeah. So what can we give some people some takeaways because you've created so much. So if you guys are interested in self-publishing any sort of book, article, anything, it sounds like Sarah has a course you could jump in on. Yep. What about hosting an event? Where does someone even start if they want to have an in-person live event? Even if it's five people or 10 people, like where, where does someone even start? Honestly, for me, it was all, like, <laughs> this is crazy. I would just jump in and find a venue. And I was like, here we go. Like, because I feel like once I took that first step, then I was like, okay, now we're in, like we're moving. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of times I wouldn't even have all the details planned and I would already announce it and start selling tickets. Well, that is definitely the number one piece of advice that a lot of coaches and, and people that host things say is yeah. you have an idea, you book the date and you reverse engineer how you're going to create it. Mm -hmm. Just figure it out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd be figuring out swag bags and stuff in the final week before, like just adding on sponsors like, yeah, here we go. But yeah, I say jump all in. Yeah, yeah jump all in and right try it. You don't have to be perfect and you don't yeah. have to have it all figured all out. Yes. Yeah, yes, just yes. take step one and two and stop worrying about step 500. Yes, amen. Oh my God, Sarah. Okay, where can people find you? This was so fun. I feel like we could just chat girl stuff all day. I know. Um, so my website is sarahordo.com. You can find pretty much all the places I am on there. 
Um, my business is 24 Lux. That one, I mean, if you guys are local and want to check it out, if you're in the Detroit area, you can find those online as well. Um, I am most active on Instagram. I'm on Instagram like 24 seven. Obviously all my businesses are linked there too. Um, I'm huge on Insta stories. And then all of my books are on Amazon Kindle. I have one book on Audible. My second should be up very, very, very soon. So fingers crossed it gets approved this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then my podcast, Her Best Fucking Life, is on iTunes and Stitcher. Fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. This was amazing. Yeah, this is so fun. Thank you, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tag us and tell us your favorite takeaways. And make sure to follow Sarah on Instagram. And I'm going to go to Amazon. And I, I have yet to be able to download any book that I really love in Audible. So I'm going to wait for your book to come out. And yes, do it. <laughs> Bye.